All right, y'all, what is going on? This is your man, L. Jamal, coming through with another edition of Never Out of Bounds. This is a place where you can say what you want as long as you got them facts. Uh, we, got a, we got a little bit to talk about today, so we're going to get right into it with the world on the street. Uh, like I said before in my last episode, I wanted to fill you guys in on the teacher strikes we've been having uh, earlier this year, uh, the one specifically in Oakland and also Los Angeles. I'm also going to get into some college basketball as well. Uh, we're, we're still going over the, the tournament seedings right now. Today, I will be going over seeds 9 through 12. Of course, there are 16 seeds, so we will be finishing that up over the weekend at least the tournament seedings uh we will be going over some brief uh conference tournament uh information at least for the basketball for basketball of course uh for ncaa basketball of course we've been going over some of that uh going over some bubble teams uh as well of course we're going to be going over the, some top 25 scores of course and uh we we have a I have a couple rants for you guys today. I got a couple things to get off my chest, and then finally we have a Dragon Ball Z review. I've been waiting on this one for a while. One of my favorite TV shows out there. Well, without further ado, though, let's get right into it. Like I said, with these teacher strikes and uh, that seven day teacher strike. Uh, well, the strike that happened in Oakland it lasted for seven days and it ended on Monday uh, new contracts were agreed upon and it looks like teachers will be getting an 11% raise over four years which is a little bit less than the 12 that they originally wanted uh, plus they'll be getting a 3% bonus uh, for for one-time event. Now, nurses uh, in the schools will also begin a 9% raise and a $10,000 bonus. Uh, class sizes have only been reduced by two, though, and the district has decided to stop, uh, will stop closing schools, and and uh, they have also started, uh, they've also decided to stop opening up charter schools. Um, you also, uh, there's the same thing kind of going on in LA. It's looking as though the state and the school district from what I've been seeing from their quotes referring to charter schools, they're claiming that they're ineffective and they're taking money away from the public school system. That's what I'm seeing. I don't know, you know, how to agree with that per se. I, I, I'm still learning about these ins and outs, but according to not only the LA school district, but the Oakland school district, uh, charter schools were being really used ineffectively and really weren't getting the desired effect that they were looking for. Uh, now, uh, now California, uh, I'm going to put a little little fact in here. Uh, California, because of the high t uh, tax rates that we have out here, uh, this state spends the least amount of money on students. And this, been, this has been this way since, uh, I would say, uh, 1970. Uh, the 19, uh, in 1970 was the last time we were in the top 10 of student spending. So as you can tell, uh, subsequently, you know, our education system has dropped. And eventually you see, you, you can start seeing the results of all that. Now you've seen a lot of people who cannot afford homes because they don't have any education. They weren't spending uh, for education. So you start seeing those uh, negative aspects start to show over time. Again, Oakland, uh, the Oakland Unified School District is facing a $56 million deficit. So they're losing money and they're in a strapped situation regardless of what the teachers wanted. And it's just kind of unfortunate because so many blacks and so many Latino students will be affected by this. Same thing in LA. The majority of students within that public school system were black and Latino. And uh, these 
these teachers are suffering in, in these large classrooms and these, these underfunded schools, and so are the students. That's the most important thing. Uh, as for the teachers in LA, uh, they received a 6% raise, and they also got a 3% retroactive pay uh, for this year and also for last year. Now, class sizes, which were already probably the highest in the nation at 42 kids, they've only been reduced by four. So as you can see, the state of California is like, look, we can only do so much about this, this uh, I guess student uh, and teacher ratio, as you can tell, um, they've taken off two in, in uh, they've taken off just two in Oakland. Uh, I'm not too sure about the average size there in Oakland, but from what I remember, just being a student in those classes, whether it was a private school, whether it was a public school, those were pretty large classes. We're talking at least over 30 kids in some cases, in a lot of cases. I would even say most cases. Same thing I would say here in LA. Uh, they're the average is 42. We already know pretty much that means they're gonna they they've usually been over 30, and that's the thing. These teachers are getting stressed out. These teachers are you know exhorting all these different resources, and it doesn't seem like the the school district does not want to give them enough coverage. I mean, if you're gonna put that many kids in a school in a, in a classroom, at least give you a give give the teacher a TA or something like that. You I never really saw too many TAs growing up, at least until high school. And again, I think it's one of those issues. They they strap these teachers up with all these different kids these different attitudes these different um energies and of course the teacher has to deal with all that focus and be able to provide lecture for the class and in my opinion from what i've i mean just from my experience of being a student uh, i could definitely see where there's a disadvantage of having to be in a classroom with a whole bunch of kids um and having a teacher that's you know, expand it beyond our means. Uh, now, LA to uh, again, again, and then again about the um, the charter schools. Again, the LA Union, uh, the LA Teachers Union, as well as the Oakland Student Union. Uh, sorry, at least the Teachers Union. They both wanted charter schools, but the school districts uh, themselves are saying that these schools, like I said again, they're ineffective. They're not really, you know giving the desired result. Now, I'm not too sure uh, what the school district is going on because uh, again, like again, like again, like I said, the teacher union, uh, that being in Oakland and LA, are actually okay with the charter schools. They seem to be you know, so it's a di it's a, it's too many dynamics here. Uh, in the case of Oakland, they're dealing with a really strapped financially situ uh, financial situation. In LA, it just seems like of course, there needs to be a pay, a pay. There needs to be a pay raise amongst the teachers, but it looks as though, uh, at least in terms of the school district itself, in terms of money, it was okay. I think now for LA, it was about, uh, you know, providing resources, cutting down the class sizes, of course, getting the raise. Uh, but Oakland has so many more problems. It looks like uh, at this moment, and it's not just dealing with the teachers. And I just hope. For the sake of the kids, they get it worked out uh, because we, uh, again, we were the future. These kids are coming up to be the future. Uh, again, it's, it's very important that, uh, especially for us minority children, we get that education. For a lot of us, that is the first line of defense in terms of a life of of uh, hardship and a life of relative success and that's whatever field we choose to do uh, I've, I've come to I've come to realize that the older that I've gotten uh, the value of education and I hope um, over time both these cities especially Oakland because of his financial situation gets it uh, taken care of uh, also uh, there was a tornadoes earlier this week in Alabama also in parts of Florida and Georgia uh, there uh, were 20 yeah, and these tornadoes killed about 23 people, injured about 40 more, actually countless more. Um, 
so uh, the, a lot of damage uh, a lot of people left without power uh, definitely what I try to do when these national uh, these sorry natural disasters happen uh, whether they're at home or abroad I try to give you guys uh, well some uh, well I try to uh, provide some links and some information on how to donate I always think it's uh, important that we as a community we help each other out in these certain times of need uh, there are a few places where sh that you can go to if you are interested in to donate donating and helping out of course you have the red cross you can either call them up at their 800 number or go to their website you also have the community of east um, the community foundation of east alabama they're also looking for donations as well you can find them at cfeastalabama.org there is also a gofundme um, account for this situation as well so if you are looking to help out which i know will be uh very uh be much needed in this situation you can go to those four places all right y'all so i'm going to take a quick break and uh when i come back i'm going to go over some college basketball of course uh, again we're going to be going over some tournament seating uh we're also going to be talking about the conference tournaments as well also oh also some teams on the bubble going into march madness as well we got a couple more teams to talk about here and then again uh we're going over some top 25 action from yesterday as well so i'll be right back y'all all right, y'all, I am back. Let's talk some college hoops real quick. Let's go over some tournament seedings. Uh, we're going to go over the number 12 through, I'm sorry, the number 9 through 12 seedings today. Of course, there are 16 uh, top seedings for the NCAA tournament coming up March the 17th. Uh, 68 teams. This is how we determine the national champion. And uh, I, like I said, I'll be going over not, uh, seeds 9 through 12 today. Uh, I hope to be yeah let's uh sunday night when i come back sunday night i'll be going over the, the rest of the 16 teams so uh 12 through 16 so let's just get right into it right now uh for the number nine seeds we have Ole miss uh coming out of the sec 19 and 11 thus far this year a couple more games to go for them you also have nc state 20 and 9 on the year oklahoma 19 and 11 on the year you also got baylor coming out of the big 10 as well they are 19 and 11 uh, for Oklahoma, they got a pretty big win this week against Kansas. They were looking as a bubble team coming into the week, but that with that win against Kansas, uh, in my opinion, they pretty much solidified their spot in the tournament. Uh, as for the rest of the guys here, Ole Miss, uh, they are looking to hold on to that number nine seed as well. I think they had a couple losses this week, so that might put them back into the bubble discussion. NC State uh it's pretty much even even out for the last couple of games. They should be able to go. They should be able to get in, punch their ticket as well. Um, as a number nine seed heading into the weekend. Uh, moving on to number t uh, the number ten seeds, we have UCF who just got a good win uh, last night. Uh, this coming against their big uh, sorry not their Big Ten rival but the American uh, Conference rival in Cincinnati, uh, the twentieth team in the nation. So good win for UCF last night. Looking to hold on and actually yes to to officially punch that ticket. They are a bubble watch team as well. I'll break them down just a little bit more. Uh, you also got Belmont here. Uh, they are 25 and 4. Uh, sorry, Belmont. Excuse me. Yes, Belmont. They are 25 and 4. Uh, we also got Louisville coming out of the ACC at a, uh, 19 and 11. We also got Minnesota as well at 19 and 11. Uh, the th what I could take away from these few teams here is you got Minnesota. They have a good Big Ten win uh, this week. I believe they beat. Um, 
Oh, ah, it was a ranked team. Don't know off the top of my head just yet. Don't want to be wrong either. Uh, but they've uh, they've had a few solid wins in the past couple of weeks. They're looking to punch a ticket as well. Belmont at 25 and 4. They're looking more, well, they're definitely in it, in my opinion, as a 10 seed. UCF as well, especially with that win, uh, the win last night. They're going to punch a ticket as well. Uh, Louisville, I'm a little bit on the fence about them just because they play in a deep conference. Uh, that being the ACC, you also got the conference tournament as well. Uh, if they do well in there, uh, probably get a first round win, maybe a second round win. I say they hold on to that ten that ten seed. They might move down. I don't see them losing a spot in the tournament, but they, I think they definitely uh, will probably lose a, a, a spot down in terms of the seeding at some point. At the at the number eleven seeds, we got Ohio State 18 and, 11, 18 and eleven coming out of the Big Ten. We also got Murray State twenty five and four they are a they in the past they have made it to the 16 uh, round of 16 if i'm not mistaken so they've gone pretty far in the tournament uh they definitely had some upset wins uh, within that time they weren't supposed to get so look out for murray state do not you know i know it's a team you have not heard of trust me it's not a team that you always do hear about it's one of those smaller teams but again uh they'll get those upsets in the tournament again they've been pretty far i believe in the last couple years at least to those the sweet 16 which is significant which is for those of you who do not know uh college basketball the sweet 16 i would say is the is is the bitch mark for a lot of teams of course you want to get to the elite eight and the, the final four and so on uh the sweet 16 is really solid especially for a team that that you don't hear about too, too much, a smaller team, small conference team. Uh, we also got Arizona State 20-9 and nine, uh, coming out of the Pac-12. They are on the bubble as well. Of course, you got uh, the Pac-12 tournament coming up, at least a conference tournament coming up. So they'll get a chance to improve or to slip a little bit. We'll see what happens with them. And we also got, oh, uh, sorry, Utah State 25-6. and six. They pretty much done enough, in my opinion, to hold on to that spot. Uh, they've had a few a few great games earlier. Uh, well, actually, uh, within the past couple of weeks, they've beaten uh, a top five team at the time, which was Nevada. So that's their claim to fame right now. That's their best win of the year so far. I think they could take that momentum and do something in the tournament. Uh, moving on to the number 12 seeds, we have New Mexico State, 25-4 and four out of the Western Athletic Conference. Uh, New Mexico State is a wild card for me. They're a team that I haven't watched a whole lot of, so I'll have to to really uh, take some notes on them and see what they got going into the going into the tournament. Uh, but they definitely look like a number 12 seed. They're looking like they're going to hold on to that through the weekend and, and uh, subsequently through their conference tournament as well. Uh, we're looking at Georgetown. Uh, they're also another number 12 seed. They are 18 and 11 coming out of the Big East. Uh, we also got TCU coming out of the Big 12. They are 18 and 12. And then you also got Florida coming out of the SEC. They are 17 and 13. Again, Florida is the like one of those teams in my opinion they're really a glorified bubble team there's a couple teams here on the bubble uh particularly syracuse uh that i think are just a tad bit better than them uh just because of the conference that they play in just because of what they what the wins that they've been able to generate uh but speaking of which let's move on to the bubble and of course like i said we have syracuse here out of the acc they are 18 and 12 uh they're they're somewhat of a middle-of-the-road team. Uh, they score 65 points a game, and they're led by their junior guard, Tyus Battle. He scores 17 points a game, 3.3 uh, 3 rebounds, and also 2.5 assists. Moving on, we got Texas coming out of the Big 12. They are currently 16-4. 
Again, these are one of your. This is another one of your lower scoring teams. Seventy one points a game, which is about uh, good enough for two hundred and seventh in the nation. Uh, again, they're they're one of those guys that that I think that even if they were to make it to the tournament, I don't see them doing well just because they don't really provide a whole lot of offense. I've seen a lot. I've seen a few of their games. Uh, I don't think they can keep up with some of the, the more prominent scores in this tournament. And finally, we got Seton Hall. They're coming out of the Big East. Uh, they are 17 as 12, at 17 and 12. Uh, they're, they're, I mean, they're balancing what they do. Uh, 73, 73 points scored a game, 71 points allowed a game. Uh, so I would say they're middle of the road. Again, they do have a, a solid uh, record against Marquette uh, and also Villanova. Two really potent uh, Big East teams, two teams that they'll more than likely face in this tournament uh, at some point. So I, they have that going for them. But above, uh, but really, uh, they're kind of average. So, uh, again, if they're able to make it uh look for them to i would say get you know make a maybe at least a, a second round run right now uh moving on uh there uh there are the conference tournaments coming up uh however some of them in the smaller conferences have already started uh we had some, some conference uh, tournament action last night i'll talk about a few of those games right now uh the big south uh had their tournament kickoff last night uh they uh, one of their bigger scores was radford uh taking down presbyterian 84 to 76 uh the missouri valley conference also got their tournament started uh last night as well uh valparaiso was able to get it done against Indiana State 77 to 55 and also you got the the West Coast Conference uh, Pepperdine was able to take out the Pacific the score there being 61 to 55 if I'm not mistaken uh, the power five uh, tournaments they usually start uh, a little bit later from now uh, next week to be exact if I'm not mistaken for the Pac-12 their tournament will be taking place the, the 13th through the 16th for the big t uh, the big 10 it'll be uh, from the 13th to the 17th uh, for the ACC since it's a much it was a bigger conference. It's a significantly bigger conference. They'll be going from the 12th to the 16th. And in the Big 12, they have the 13th to the 16th. And the SCC has the 13th to the 17th as well. So uh, they will be getting ready to take off, uh, like I said, in the next week. That'll be... A lot of your action and a lot of your your real tournament seats will be decided there. A lot of the well more team, the well known, more well known teams like your Dukes and your Kansases, they'll be taking place. They'll be taking part of this. You got Stanford as well coming out of the Pac-12. Also Washington, who's looking like a bubble team who's looking like it's going to punch a ticket at some point this conference tournament will do a lot for those teams uh arizona state who's a bubble team like i said washington from the pac-12 uh, as far as the big 10 goes uh, as far as bubble teams there uh, you got ohio state that would do that would that would be significantly helped by a good showing here. Uh, as far as the ACC goes, Louisville would, would do well with a good showing here. Syracuse would do well with a good showing here. They would, they would uh, pretty much solidify uh, their tournament status. Or uh, in the case of Texas, just in, you know, or in, and in Seton, Seton Hall, they will, um, in my opinion, they will punch that ticket because I feel uh, that Seton Hall and Texas are kind of those two teams that they're, they're looking to leave out right now. So a good showing from them in the tournament would kind of save them. Uh, but as of now, uh, 
I'm on the fence about both of those guys. Uh, but moving on, we, of course, we had some top 25 action last night. Uh, speaking of which, let's get right into it. Number 12, Houston was able to get it done against SMU. Houston did have a significant loss earlier this week, so they did drop a few places. Again, their strength of schedule is is one of their negative aspects. Uh, they're really ranked low there. So, uh, like I said before, when they take an L, which might not be many because they're they're solid for what they are, but because of their their strength of schedule being so well for them to getting uh, for their strength of schedule is to be so low, uh, any loss, uh, especially to a team like SMU who's not ranked, uh, who probably I would I I think does not have a winning record at this point would negatively impact Houston in terms of rankings. However, uh, they they still have their playoff spot. They still have their mark you know their their tournament spot. So they're okay there uh, in terms of that. But just a bad just a bad loss earlier this week. Uh, we also got number 25 UCF uh, taking out number 20 Cincinnati. I talked about this before. A little minor upset uh, being that UCF is the number 25 team in the nation and is considered a bubble team right now uh, compared to Cincinnati who's in the lead, in the mix for the lead of the conference right there with Houston, this being the American Conference, and then also uh, Cincinnati already having a seed, uh, a solidified seed, and a significantly higher one than UCF uh, right now. Uh, but the stats here, uh, they go they go as follows. For, this, uh, for Cincinnati, they were led by their forward Trey Scott. He had 20 points, nine rebounds, and three assists. They also got help uh, from their from their guard, Jerron Cumberland. Uh, he had 10 points, 5 assists, and 4 rebounds. Uh, Cincinnati outscored UCF in the second half, 34 to 29, uh, but it just wasn't enough. Uh, UCF, uh, UCF uh, I saw some highlights of this game. UCF did just enough in the, in the first half to have that, uh, to have a significant lead, and they just needed to just kind of sit on it, and they kind of did. Uh, for UCF, uh, they were led by their guard, B.J. Taylor. He had 22 points and 6 assists. Uh, their center tackle fall also had 10 points and 6 6. Finally, in terms of top 25 play, you got Wisconsin getting it done against Iowa 65 to 45. Wisconsin is still 21st in the nation. Iowa at this point is unranked. And uh, this is crazy because I know at least a week ago they were. Um, and uh, this is a big story right now because. At this point, they might be looking to uh, get themselves kicked out of that tournament. I'm pretty sure they had a seating and everything, so I have to go back, uh, do some, do some, uh, some, some stat uh, work with Iowa, uh, see where they're at. But they may have uh, cost them sh- themselves a shot at a tournament because they've been they've been struggling the past. Uh, past week or so actually so i'm gonna go back uh see what what's up with those guys but for now uh that is a wrap in terms of college basketball for today uh like i said next episode sunday night we'll be going over some more top 25 action there uh finishing out the tournament seedings uh also probably going into some more conference tournament just to kind of let you guys know uh Get you guys more into onto what that process is and why it's important in terms of tournament seating, uh, at least in my opinion. Uh, but for right now, I'm gonna take another quick break, and when I come back, I will be uh, I'll be ranting to you guys about a couple things. So I'll be back. I'll be back. All right, y'all. I am back. I'm gonna rant to y'all for a little bit, not too long. Don't want to make this extended, uh, especially about this topic here that I've already talked about before. Uh, but of course, uh, R. Kelly, he had his little uh, interview uh, earlier uh, this week, or was it last week, of Gail King. And um, I, we already know what he did was wrong. 
I'm not gonna get into that. Uh, I I think the biggest thing now, and I think a lot of people now are pushing the whole well, the white guys did it thing, and they're not. I think beyond all of that, I think the issue that that I take really heed to now that I've rewatched the interview is uh is the statement that comes to mind. Uh, he said basically the parents gave their daughters away. This is the part that's troubling me. Um, again, we're looking at R. Kelly as though he's a pedophile monster, which in all intents and purposes, he is. Uh, he had no business dating the leader. He had no business pissing on the minor that, you know, he was on camera with. And whatever they caught him on camera doing recently, we all know he had no business doing it. And uh, with that being said, I know there's a there's a congregation now, black folks saying, hey, these white people do it all the time. These white men, look, it's not our standard that we should not be trying to live to that standard. If we if we claim that these people are wrong, what they did was wrong. Well, let's not say, well, it's wrong when they did it, but it's OK, you know, when our people do it, because, you know, the white media, this, that. And Stop blaming the white media who went to the white media. Black people, black women, the same black women talking about, oh, we need to protect R. Kelly. Well, who went to the, to the white media and told on him? Now you can sit there and say what you want. They're looking to, they're, they're trying to extort him. Well, yeah, they're extorting something. They're extorting his habits. They're extorting his vices. He obviously has a woman sex vice. That's his problem. He obviously has been doing some of those things. That's why they're coming at him the way that they are. If he was, if he was a square bear, wasn't he? Wasn't trying to give away no money. If he Russell Wilson, anybody coming after him? Because Russell Wilson, that Russell Wilson at home trying to call Sierra. See, R. Kelly, he wanted to lay with the little girls, pee on them. He wanted to date all types of younger women, knowing he had a baby mama. See, let's see, y'all, y'all don't get it. But he made songs when a woman's fed up. He ain't shit as a man. Stop it. He told you that in the music. When a woman's fed up, why was she fed up? Because of shit you was doing, Mr. R. Kelly. Ain't no telling what you was doing all back. And I don't know all the stories. I didn't watch, I didn't watch the surviving R. Kelly. So I don't know the extremes. And, uh, you know, for the most part, maybe there are some some adult women that he's been, been involved with. I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about the statement in which he said himself, parents gave away his children. Why are these so-called black kings and black queens giving away their children to celebrities for for what they claim to be some shot, shot at rich, uh, some shot at, I'm sorry, some shot at wealth, some shot at uh, fame, notoriety. Really? Is that what we do in the black community now? See, really what he did was he really opened up a big old can of worms. Because, yeah, R. Kelly is doing his nasty stuff. You're right. He's pissing on girls. You're right. And you're right. And you're right. And it's a lot of people are right to say that, yes, the parents have a lot to do. They, you're right. This all needs to be addressed. Let R. Kelly talk. Let him explain what he means by that. Because I don't believe that these parents just gave their kids away. No, I think that they were sold. That's what I'm. I, I'm sorry. I, I mean, unless he's now, unless he's gonna be the the primary guardian, and they go to the courthouse, they fill out the. What What would you What would you be doing with them young girls like that? Just like Just like your boy Michael. 
You can sit there and say what you want. The man's past. Yes, he made great music. I'm sorry. I've seen clips of him hugging on little boys and feeling on little That shit looks weird to me. Y'all can say what you want. It looks weird. And, and, and I don't I didn't see him I didn't see him hanging out with a whole lot of girls. I didn't see Michael Jackson hanging out with a whole lot of girls trying to tell me, I'll help y'all too. Come on. The man said, I have no problem with letting little boys lay in my bed. I'm not sharing a bedroom with a kid that's not mine. He said it on national TV. R. Kelly said it on national TV. Parents give away their children to me, basically in layman's terms. What is wrong with our people to the point we give our children away? Yeah, R. Kelly's wrong. Yeah, the parents are wrong. So... We need to address it. Scooting it under the rug and saying, well, white people do it too. What about Elvis? See, Elvis ain't touching nobody no more. Jerry Lee Lewis ain't touching nobody no more. Obviously, R. Kelly has a track record of misusing black women. And black women, I guess since they figure they can benefit, they can profit from it profit from their mistreatment they'll accept it that's a problem with the society that's a problem it's not the white media no black men he he all first of all he already had the issue before the white media any even said anything if we're if we're I'm just saying, it's not like R. Kelly, and, and about him and, and the girl, it's not like you saw a whole bunch of boys in his house. Was he was he taking care of a whole community of kids? Was Mr. R. Kelly trying to help boys become famous too, young men? Not like he was, it's not like he was taking in, you know, uh, you know, talented boys. No, he was taking in girls. Why do you think that is? Y'all don't think about it, but the first thing y'all want to say is, well, Elvis did it. Fuck Elvis. Fuck Elvis. He nasty too. But R. Kelly is alive and he's doing it today to women who look like you. To women who you claim are queens and matter to you. If if black women are king of queens, then anything that should... Okay, then how about this? I, I, I think you guys need to break it down like this. What queen, what king gives away their children? I tell you when that happens, when you when you've been beaten, when you've been when you've been uh, uh, made to when you're not when you're not really ruling, when you don't have a ruling class mentality. When you say all that shit online, it sounds great to call yourself a king, but are you really a king if you're giving away your seed to another man? That's not a husband. That's significantly older than your than your than your daughter that, you know, has a track record of being with younger women. That you know has been accused of peeing on the minors? You're a, na- you're a nation. You're a nation. He urinated on somebody who did not have control really over their situation. Because guess what? They were a child. Because in all honesty, if these were all grown women and they chose to be with that, I would have no problem with it. He said it, the word came out of the horse's mouth. The parents gave the girls to me. Which means we're talking about somebody who does not have control or does not have a say-so in what they're able to do. A child? A teenager? If she's 21 and up and decides, hey, this is what I want to do with R. Kelly. I want to sell my body to R. Kelly. That's fine. 
But if our parents, if we got fathers and mothers saying, go ahead, just take care of it, make it rich and famous, you're, you're a lame nigga. You're a lame. I would never have another man take care of my seed on some old trick shit because I think I'm going to get rich and, and get paid in on the back end. No, no, no. You're, what you're doing is you're hoeing out your daughter. You know you ain't getting none of it. You you know the, the the risk. You know the odds of people making it big and, and famous. You were better off taking care of her yourself and taking her to music classes your goddamn self. No, but you. but this is the problem. You see what happens when your community and, and everything around you is hypersexual? Black women have no problem with saying, yeah, tell on your Uncle Ray Ray. Tell on your Uncle Ray Ray for because Ray Ray ain't got no money. Ray Ray ain't got no, no connections. Tell, yeah, so, so go ahead, run, run and tell on Uncle Ray Ray right away when he touches you, right? Oh yeah, yeah, they, they all. You always see a, a, a very powerful post. Many to check their friends. Many to check their friends that that be trying to highlight the don't. What women need to do, especially black women, stop defining men based on what money they got. Cause you have an issue if you're giving your daughter away. Cause I believe him when he says they giving them away. When they giving them away. I believe that. I believe when he says that, and I think, and I don't think it's just a a, a a process of them just giving them a daughter, giving a daughter. No, he's paying for that pussy. Believe that he's paying. He's paying for them young girls. So they selling their kids. Think about it. Think about it. That's what we do to each other, and then we want to blame the white media for talking about it. No, 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 no. You don't sell your daughter. Then you don't have to worry about the white media talking about it. Those black women, they didn't go to the police. They went they went to, to, to the to A and E. You don't blame nobody for that. They did that. Talking about some white people saying, No, 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 no. And on top of that, Mr. Kelly perpetuated the cycle by buying the girls. He's the John. What are you talking about? There's no there is no redeeming factor for him. He's wrong. He's nasty. Stop defending him because he's black. I'm sorry. It's not a witch hunt. It's niggas doing nasty shit. And that's what happened. Had Bill Cosby would have stayed at home. Yeah, and I'll be honest with you. Yeah, some of the things that Bill Cosby, we all found out that some of those stories were maybe for, for, for maybe made up completely. Or maybe there was a, 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 you know, a parts of the story that were added and blemished. Fine. But guess what? If when he's done shooting, if he goes home to his wife and his and his family, you don't have to worry about that. But see, he was he was drugging certain girls. That was part of the that's a part of the Hollywood lifestyle. That's what he was doing. Now he do did he did he did he take advantage of all of them? I don't think all that's true. But he was out there doing something he wasn't supposed to be doing, and he's supposed to be at home with his wife. That's what he was playing. That's what he was saying on TV. That's what he was showing us on TV. If he would have been more like that in real life, you wouldn't have to worry about it. But we all knew. We 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 could sit there and say, well, he didn't rape all the bitches, but we know he was out there partying and 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 and, and doing the drugs and, and 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 enticing the girls. Well, that's what you get, especially if you're supposed to be married. Especially if you're trying to tell black people one day to pull up their pants, you got to act a certain way to get some respect around here. It's all going to come back to you. So we knew about you. 
Had you would have stayed at home and practiced with your priest, Mr. Husband Huxtable, you wouldn't be where you're at right now. See, because because think about it this way. The bitter hoe is not going to try to trap somebody who they know ain't about shit or who they know ain't really about their life. If you're not, if you're not, think about it. Think about all the guys you've seen on Facebook get caught up with the trend. If you're not out there sneaking and dipping and dabbling, then nobody's trying to expose you. If you let it all hang out, this is what I do. This is what I'm about. Nobody's looking to expose you. Motherfuckers lied about who they were. Motherfuckers was doing shit on the low that they had no business doing. Now it's coming to you. It, whatever they, Whatever's done in the dark is revealed to the light. And guess what? When you do it like that, you can't control how it's, you can't control the narrative at that point. Black people could have said a long time ago, we do not support pedophiles and cut R. Kelly off a long time ago. Now you stuck because it makes you because it makes you because it really it makes us look like, well, why do you support? Why do you listen to him? But we have to explain it. We have to defend ourselves. So this is the first thing we say. Well, Elvis did it. Fuck cares about Elvis. Who the fuck cares? Elvis wasn't touching black girls. See, it's okay. See, it's so. See, it's I, what I what I realized. What I realized is, is, see, as long as the white media is not talking about it, as long as the white media is not judging us about it, then it's okay to do it. See, that's why we sitting over talking about acting like black on black crime ain't 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 really a, ain't really nothing. But but yet and still, we got an R.I.P. every other week on Facebook. Somebody talking about R.I.P. to my homie. Who shot your homie? And I'm telling you, it wasn't always a policeman. So what are we going to do? What are we gonna, well, how are we going to address that? See, we don't want to address nothing that we do. We want to talk about and, and blame how it's somehow what white people, some result of some white people. No, 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 no. Them black women went to the network to go tell on R. Kelly. It wasn't, oh, they just put out, where did they, where did they, where did they get the stories from? No, no, no. Look at yourself first. Look in the mirror, look at yourself, and then you make the change. Black people, look at what you're doing to each other. Then you say, well, white people are talking. No, 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 no. If black people weren't shooting each other, they, then the media would have nothing to talk about. If R. Kelly was not raping little girls, the media would have nothing to talk about. Sorry. Michael Jackson on it, on live TV said he had no problems with laying in the bed with little boys. That's an issue. Don't just sit there and say, well, because they are on. We don't know. No, we, we, we can't be like that. You know who we need to support? No, we need to support the guy that's running for city councilman. That's who you need to support. That's who needs your support. The brother that's running for Senate, the brother that's running, the sister that's running for Senate or anything like that. The sister that's trying to be uh, 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 on your school board. That's the type of brothers and sisters we need to be supporting. Not the not the R&B singer who pisses on minors. Not the not the not the troubled actor who 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 want to lie on motherfuckers and create all type of shit. That's who we don't need to be supporting. We need to support people who are about changes. Your football, the football coach who's 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 taking kids out of the out of their situation. There's 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 football coaches who take kids out of their situation, help raise kids, put put kids up, feed kids, and take them off the college. They don't use them for sex. Black coaches, white coaches, AAU coaches, you got teachers. We need to be supporting our black teachers, our black professors at these universities. 
not 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 an artist, not a troubled R&B artist who wants to take advantage of children. And listen, not support a system that says, look, we got all this shit against us. Look, we got we we're, we we have racism. We can't get no money. Let's sell our own. No, we don't do that shit. You you hustle and you make it work. You don't live on Section 8 for 20, 30 years at a time and then blame the system that you kept going to to, to give you some some substance. If you didn't go out and do it your goddamn self, I'm sorry. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard for me to really sit there and say, man, you know, the white man missing white people. No, 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 no. You can do what you can do. We can treat each other a lot better. Moving on to my next topic that I wanted to rant about. You won't really grind my gears. I got to leave R. Kelly alone for now. But you know what really grinds my gears? We're talking about how normal people, regular people treat each other. Now, I am an average guy. Average looking guy, never really had the six pack bod, never really was a uh, the star athlete, none of that. You know, a regular, average, average job, average income, whatever, whatever you have, right? As a regular guy, you get used to certain things. You get rejected every now and again. You get friend zone. I, in my lifetime, I'll be honest with you. I never had a problem with rejection. Never truly had a problem with the friend zone. Although I wasn't the type to always do it. Although I might say, yeah, I might be your friend and then stop calling you, stop texting you. Because it really wasn't my thing. But I never really was adamantly against it. I never really got an attitude. I never really said a girl was a prude, got mad because I never got no pussy. None of that. But it's funny how times change. How there's people that you'll talk to for a long time. And, it, and it, this is it's just one of those things that bother me. You know, I just was thinking about it. There's people that you talk to. People that you like. You know, you get crushes on. And you, you, open, your, you open up to that person and, you know, hey, they're not interested. They want to be your friend. That's, that's great. So, you know, you become that person's friend. And, you know, sometimes... You know, the feelings don't change. You might like that person. You might like that person. So you let's say, for instance, you try a couple times to get at that person. Oh, okay. Well, you're not feeling me. All right. Hey, that's perfect. You know what grinds my gears? When that's the very same person you try to get at, says, oh, no, I'm, 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 I, I'm in a relationship. I'm sorry. I have a kid now. I'm sorry. I, I can't do it. I'm so focused. They want to come. They want to come years later. Say, oh, you know, things have changed. You know, I've been through this and that. And you guys talk again. You're like, yeah, you know, I've been through some th some shit too. You know, life is life, right? I hate when that female decides, oh, well, we should we should hook up. We should do why? Why now? Oh, you know, you were always a good guy. You were always no. If I was a good guy, if I was always a good guy, then why did you not? See to it that we did something then. It doesn't have to be sexual. I wasn't expecting sex. All I was asking for was to exchange numbers, get to know each other. If we would have fall out, fell out after that, we fall out. All I wanted was a number. All I wanted was to get to know you. But you wanted to be at the distance. You wanted to have me at a little distance. You don't want to be able to call me whenever you felt like it to talk about me, talk to me about stupid stuff, you know. Not even necessarily how your life is going. No, no, normally, you know, because this is how the, I, in my opinion, I could be wrong. 
friend zoning to me, especially if it was a, if it was a situation where you were trying to get at that female, I wouldn't do it because all you end up being is a vessel for all her issues, all her little problems, all her little boyfriend issues. I'm sorry, I don't like it. I could now there's there's females that I just always had a plutonic connection with. Never really was attracted to them. I don't believe in those type of friendships. Those friendships exist. But something about when you when you when you admit that you like somebody, you got that crush on somebody, and they hit you with that, let's just be friends, I never liked. It just seems that every time you're in that situation, they find some way to to use you. You know? Oh, well, just talk to me here, just talk to me then. No, I, I don't have the time. And then those same people years later will finally just come. Oh, you're really, you were really a, a, a sure thing. You're a catch, really. Now they want to talk to you. Now they want to be serious. I've had that situation happen to me twice recently. Uh, not recently. Uh, one within the last couple of years. Uh, one within the last couple of months. Actually, a couple of weeks or so. And and it's just amazing to me. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I I had dated these women. Uh, at least had been at serious talks. But no, they weren't feeling it. Now out of nowhere, things change. The brother holds down to down holds down a job for a little bit of time. Gets mobile. Gets a career path going. Now everybody's interested. Oh, I'd like to. No, no, it doesn't work that way. And then they got the nerve to be, why? and what drives me even more mad is these people get mad at you. Oh, you're not mature. You're still mad. No, 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 no. Nobody was mad. Nobody was worried about you. I mean, it's like people people treat you any type of way and they, they expect you to not want to move on. No, it's called moving on. See, because at the end of the day, I still have to accomplish things. See, being stuck on you, not being able to move on would, 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 would mean that I don't have the capacity to do other things. All I do is think about you. All I do is want you. All I do is try to get back with you. That's not being able to move on. The minute somebody is able to focus on their own, their own career, their own life, on another relationship, you're no longer a factor. And you don't get to be a factor. You're a factor at my discretion. If I choose to want to be your friend, that's my choice. It's called moving on. I don't have to kiss your ass in order to, to for you to feel like I forgave you. I've forgiven you. Don't worry about it. I'm not worried about what you did before. That's why I'm not with you. That's why I'm not your friend. That's why I don't call you. I'm not being bitter. Why would I? It's just as simple as I don't want to talk to somebody who does not really like me. Because if you liked me, you would have been with me back then. Sorry. Oh, Eva, you're so. I, I, and this is one of this is the thing that I hate. You're so. You're such a nice guy. Anybody would be with you. Anybody be lucky. Well, you should be with me. You're not. Well, then obviously I'm not all that. So don't say that stupid shit to me. I'm too much of a realist for you. Don't try to play me like that. Women. Don't offer the friend zone. I would only offer the friend zone if if really that's all you got. If I if a guy got at you, I wouldn't even want to put him in the friend zone. It's not gonna work because all he's gonna want to do is fuck. That's the reason why he got at you was to either fuck or date you, not to be your friend. 
I have too many female friends, plus I have a sister. I don't need too many female, too much female input. I have a really good relationship with the women in my family, so I only feel the need to reach out for female friends, to be honest with you. I'd rather have a relationship. I'd rather have one solid girlfriend and a good relationship with my sister and some maybe one or two decent homegirls and, and really be able to talk to the women in my family as opposed to just having a female friend just to have a female friend. For what? She's going to want you to pay, too. Yeah, you think I'm lying? No, she's going to want you to pay, too, friend or not. So it ain't worth it, in my opinion. It grinds my gears. I'm not interested in dealing with no old friends. I don't do old flings. I don't do exes. I don't become friends with exes. That shit is tired. Sorry. That just means that you can't get over that person. And I'm, trust me, I'd rather be over you than to be your friend. That's just because ain't no way you're getting over somebody that's still constantly your friend. And it's a position like that. Friend is a significant title. Just saying. I'm not just trying to just be friends with somebody just because, oh, well, you know. She wasn't into me like that. I don't think I want to do that. Sorry. So I'm not interested. Sorry. I'm not interested. All right, y'all. I'm going I'm to move on for now. I had a rant for you guys for a little bit. You see, I went off the deep end. As usual when these things happen. But I will be coming back for my last segment. I will be going over the Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z series. Uh, two of my favorite uh, animes out there. Um, but I will be going over that. Just uh, how it impacted me. How it impact, impacted my view on uh, just cult and honestly cultures in general. Um, it was really good impact on me. And I'm going to talk about it. I'll be right back. Alright y'all, I am back. I'll wrap this up today for today. And I wanna go back and uh talk to talk about a show that uh, I came up with actually a couple shows that I came up with. Uh, they go kinda hand in hand. Uh they involve kinda the kinda the same amount of character same characters, uh same main character for that matter. And of course, uh we're gonna be talking about Dragon Ball Z and, and Dragon Ball. And uh they're of course they were both made by uh Kita Toriyama and uh, my first my first uh, experience with these both of these shows i say late 90s early 2000s of course you got the tsunami uh, on the cartoon network of course at this point the shows have been out for you know at least 10 years before then in the 80s and um but uh we of course as the american fans at least the you know the cartoon network fan that i was because it could have been available in other in other places but i i caught my episodes on cartoon network it was different. Um, I definitely uh, did not even know what the term anime was when I first watched that show. Um, but I automatically knew that was, there was a difference in the type of style that I was seeing um, between what I was watching there um, and watching in America. You know, even with some of the cartoons that I liked. And I was a big Rugrats fan, Dexter's Laugh fan, uh, Nickelodeon, and Cartoon Network guy. I didn't really have a, a favorite uh, between the two. Uh, even some Disney Channel animation was really cool as well. Um, for a long time, I was really into the animated scene. Um, it was really cool. You know, cartoons were funny, of course. You know, you had Looney Tunes and all that. Slapstick humor. You had Doug uh, that dealt with, like, teenage stuff. So it was a little bit of, uh, ahead of me. But it was like middle school teenage stuff, but you kind of got it. You know, it was still animated. You get that. It was lighthearted. Same thing with the Rugrats. I mean, you were a kid at the time when it came out. So you could really relate to that, uh, you know, basically childhood development right in front of your face with that show. But I always liked the style 
of, and again, I didn't even know what the term anime was, but I looked at a show, I looked at, you know, Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z for the first time, and the way it was, it was drawn, the way it was animated, it looked to be more edgier to me, it looked to be tougher to me, and I liked that, um, don't get me wrong, I mean, it's always good to have your silly, it's always good to have Spongebob, I guess, you know, but I, I just, for me, especially when I hit that close to that middle school range, I wanted something a little bit more. Like, and at that point, come on, we're 90s kids. At that point, we we're already watching, like, the softcore Cinemax porn, and we're watching real sex on fucking HBO with the TV turned down low. Come on, man. Like, we, we were already some bad kids back then. So, since Dragon Ball Z was still a way where you could kind of have that edginess and still be a kid. Um, definitely, I mean, you and you weren't used to watching... I mean, I watched uh, Power Rangers, which is kind of like why I kind of gave it like it's it's past in the beginning because it was like, oh man, they fighting and all that. I, I like that. I like you don't see that too much on cartoons, especially I mean nowadays either. Like, you don't you will never see two f cartoons fight each other and throw energy blasts at each other and make each other bleed and 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 have each other all you know rap, you know. I mean, come on. I mean, you saw that battle against Goku and, and Frieza, crazy. Um, you know, and that's when I pretty much started watching that show was during that Namek saga. I missed the Saiyan saga for a couple of years, uh, but that's that that Namek saga was just so so in depth, so engaging in my opinion. Uh, you you got a chance to see again. I mean, because you get a chance to see more character development, and I think that series Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z really did a great job at that. Uh, each character developed a very, it was like a slow burn, in my opinion, for a lot of different characters, um, and it was able to do that. Uh, one one thing that I did like, especially when I first started watching it, like I said, I, I started with the Namek Saga, uh, for example, uh, both Krillin and Gohan were relatively considered to be you know, well, we all knew that Goku had untapped potential, but he just, he wouldn't show it. And as, as far as Krillin, he was considered to be one of the weaker fighters. Again, you start to see, um, I mean, because if, if you watch the Saiyan Saga, going back to that, you see Gohan, you know, he shows little flashes of it. Again, you see that character, again, develop in those flashes of what could be developed into a great fighter. One of the best fighters that we see later on in the series is you, you start to see that. You start to see the training. You start to see what he had to go through. You saw that relationship with him and Piccolo and how Piccolo trained him. And how he became who he was. Same thing with Krillin. And when Krillin, you know, you know, just him for being a human, one of the few human characters out there, him reaching that plateau in terms of his power level and being able to become like a superhuman, even just that to me was exciting and having it be like an accomplishment. Because again, you more relate to Krillin than anybody else on that show. I mean, you're not saying you're not a Namek, you're a regular human. So for, to see like, you know, guys like you know, Tien, uh, Yamcha, or more so Krillin, just step up to the plate and be able to kick ass against these foreign alien powers. Nothing, I've never seen it before. I've never seen that before. Uh, before I get deeper into Dragon Ball Z, I'll just uh, touch up on Dragon Ball a little bit since it is the, sh is the precursor. Um, I got into Dragon Ball a little bit later. Now, Dragon Ball is even even more slow burn. I mean, because it's only dealing with one character uh, and it's his and his adventures. Uh, 
you know, Goku. And he's a kid, and, you know, you get a chance. And you, well, one thing you do see is, and I did like about Dragon Ball, is you got to see how Goku came to be. Uh, you got to see how his powers were developed. You got to see what he had to do. What he basically, I mean, because he was fighting grown-ass men as a kid. So, again, you being a kid, you watching another kid kick grown dude ass. And, again, it's exciting. You know, the music went along with it. Uh, the the Again, the animation itself was so, you know, ex expansive. Uh, you you know, they showed you massive countryside, mass, massive mountains that can give you the city, that can give you villages. And, you know, it was so much more than the fighting. Um, a lot of people, you know, of course, you know, we talked about the fighting. We always make fun of, even as fans, we make fun of those those scenes where Goku or Vegeta or somebody will power up for hell long. It'll take a half an episode. It'll take two thirds of an episode just for them to turn. But the storyline beyond that, like the the dialogue in between all that is so amazing. They give you backstory. They give you more of what's going on. You get to see everybody else's reaction to what's going on. And they did a good job of that. And I think, of course, that's what led to those scenes being so long like that because there's so much into it. Uh, you know, uh, with Gohan, uh, sorry, with Goku, when he first turned Super Saiyan, you know, there was so much behind, you know, we've never seen this before. This has not happened. This couldn't, have, nobody really thought it could happen again. Uh, but yet, when humanity, well, at least the planet Namek, is facing total destruction, and, you know, which might lead to the destruction of other parts of the, the solar system, here comes Goku turning Super Saiyan. And I think that's one of the, in my opinion, one of the best moments I've seen in a TV show. Just what was what, what was uh, at stake, what the battle had already been through at that point. You had Frieza going through so many different changes. So for finally Goku to finally make his change, epic. Uh, one of the best fights I've ever seen. One of the best character transformations I've ever seen. I think Go uh, Vegeta also had a good character development as well. Uh, if you see him, he's a, originally a really badass villain set on taking over the world and over time almost within a season or so he calms down and he's he he raises a family and uh he realizes that you know he's more, probably one of the only last from my well he is the last from my uh remaining saiyans next to goku and uh there's a lot for more for him to live for and again you 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 see that develop, and you see it within the confines of who Vegeta's exterior exterior um, exterior personality is. You know, he still, I mean, he makes those changes, but you can see the difficulty. You can see what he has to go through. You can see, especially when he makes his transformation, which I think is probably, in my opinion, uh, I thought, I think Goku, Goku's evol evolution into Super Saiyan, you know, him, him turning with one of the hallmarks of that series, I think Vegeta's turn into a Super Saiyan was satisfying because I think over time, I, and I think this is because I think a lot a lot of us are Vegeta fans on the low. I think a lot more people are Vegeta fans on the low just because of his, of his background, just because of what he had to go through. And again, I think his character progression is some of the best work I've ever seen. You know, especially when he turns, you know, everything is going through his head all the frustration, you know, he has to he has to live with the fact that, you know, he could not protect his planet. He's the prince. And, 
not only is he the prince's father, of course, that mean, that makes the father the king, but he is not the one that gets to be, you know, the first Super Saiyan. That drives that man. You see the drive. You see that uh, his theme song went perfectly with that. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, his theme song went perfectly with that. You get the rage. You get the frustration. And you can almost tell that, you know, it's almost like a different type of Super Saiyan. Now, where Goku's was driven by, he needed to save the world. He wanted to save the planet. He wanted to be that shining beacon of hope. Vegeta is, is filled out of rage, out of frustration, out of this is who I needed to be. And this is who I'm going to be. And when he finally got it, you were like, yes, bruh. Yes, you felt Super Saiyan because you yourself, I mean, I, at least for me, you know, it, it ain't, it, you know, for me, it was a lot of frustration, you know, in my life, too. And I and I saw where Vegeta was coming from, you know, people holding you down, people looking at you as a sec as the second best or people discounting you, discounting you. And, you know, you come from a certain lineage, you know, you come from or at least, you know, you're not. You don't carry yours. You don't have to be a prince of sands to carry yourself like that. You can just be somebody who is second doubted, but deep inside know that there's more to them to offer. And that's what Vegeta always represented to me. He was always my favorite character, right next to Trunks, who was the Wanderer, who was a time traveler. Again, these are things that spoke to me because I was always in the time travel, and I was I was considered myself a loner. I travel, uh, I I walk around. I used to walk around a lot. I used to travel a lot, and uh, he spoke. You know, just again, you know, these characters were, you know, they spoke to a lot of different. Um, Aspect. I mean, I, th I think they, I mean, they were a lot of aspects of life, you know, being developed in, in a lot of episodes that he showed. I mean, you saw the dynamic of of Gohan and his mom, uh, you know, his mom wanted him to, to be no as normal as possible, go to school, become educated. Uh, but it was so hard because you got these alien guys coming to attack your planet every six months. So he can't necessarily be the student that you want him to be. And when he finally became that you saw his power kind of drop a little bit ever since he became that good old goody two-shoe student come on he got ate by Majin Buu so you see those dynamics and I thought you know have it being animated I thought it was good again back to Dragon Ball again uh, if you haven't checked it out good backstory on Goku you see a lot of you see where you know he developed some of his techniques of course Kamehameha uh, you just kind of see you know how he developed his personality uh, you see all the people you see some of the people that you know will eventually come to shape Dragon Ball Z you see Yamcha you see Boma you see Chi Chi you see Krillin I actually like the rivalry between Krillin and Dragon Ball as well. Um, you also get a chance to see the original origins of uh, Piccolo, who I think is is a is really uh, an influential character in that show as well. Of course, everybody calls him the Black Man of the show, and I just speaks, I think that speaks to his just how in depth of a character and how intense he is. Because how can you get a Black Man from a green alien? I don't know. But even I myself say, yeah, like, dude. He's he's a real one. He's a gangster. He's 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 about his shit. Like and he he'll help out his friends. He trained Gohan. Uh, he helped preserve the, the dynamic race uh, by fusing with Kami and Nail. Uh, by fusing uh, with the I think he also well he also helped protect Dende when he fused with the Elder uh, Namek, if I'm not mistaken. So again, um, he's about his. He's about his cause. He's always about you know he fart, and, and he's just like Vegeta too, where he started off as an enemy. So you get a chance to see people turn the corner and you see them in these certain positions of course uh 
Vegeta he goes back into the evil side a little bit to uh to revere the Majin side. That's when you see Majin Buu, Majin Buu coming to the picture. So you see those those back and forth, but you see a, a, a total character development in, in a way that you don't see uh, in many different shows. So I definitely love Dragon Ball Z. If you don't like it, you probably haven't watched it because you would love it too. I'm sorry. And, it, and for me, it opened the door uh, to a lot more anime. Uh, it helped me understand you know, just what all that is about. Gave me an open mind. And you can't beat that. So one of my best shows, one of my favorite shows of all time, animated series of all time, can't live without it. All right, y'all, I'm going to call it a wrap for today. Uh, next episode, we do have a bit to discuss as well. Like I said, uh, this is conference This is, this is is conference tournament time. This is March Madness time. So we'll be going over some real, a lot of college basketball now. Uh, we also want to get back into the NBA. want to give you guys a brief update on that in terms of the playoff race. Also want to talk a little bit more about LeBron and the Lakers and just about how far they've fallen apart. I'm also going to talk about some of the teams that I like going into the playoffs, some of the teams I don't like going into the playoffs as well outside of that uh, we will be having an MLB update uh, sco uh, scores from uh, scores from spring training uh, transactions and just whatever uh, regular news we come across with that of course um, in terms of the word on the street I'm still looking for some some news right now of course I'll be back Sunday night there'll be something I know there'll be something by the time I get there uh, but for right now uh, that's that's what I got um yeah for now that's it but uh if anybody hasn't told you yet i love you uh, peace out one love y'all have a good weekend i'll see y'all sunday night